Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, B.C. For the next hour, you and I are going to discover some great jazz, including some on the fringes of the genre, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. I've put together episodes on drums, piano, and bass, so I think it's time to talk about the instrument that's considered to be the primary jazz instrument, the saxophone. Starting with a confession, I know virtually nothing about saxophones, other than I've listened to a lot of them in my journey of discovering jazz. In this series of two episodes, three episodes actually, I'm going to be exploring some of the history and development of jazz saxophone playing, including the instruments used in other genres of music. I'll also talk about some of the great saxophonists of today and yesterday. And if you notice, I'm sounding a little bit different today. I've got a bit of a head cold, but it's not going to get away in the of my enjoyment or your enjoyment, hopefully, of this great music. Today, I'm going to focus on the many different kinds of saxophones, ranging in pitch from the highs of the sopranissimo to the lows of the subcontrabass. But first, a recording from one of my favorite players, the warm tenor sax of Zoot Sims.
Comes Love, Zoot Sims with pianist Jimmy Rowles, George Mraz on bass, and drummer Mousy Alexander from an album called Warm Tenor. I do love a tenor sax. It sounds really warm. Not to disparage saxophonists who prefer a more punctuated attack. The saxophone was an instrument that was invented by a single inventor, a 19th century Belgian musical instrument designer who played the flute and clarinet. He wanted to create an instrument that combined the best qualities of a woodwind instrument with the best qualities of a brass instrument. His name was Adolf Sachs, and his invention was patented in Paris in 1846. And Because of its volume, it was intended to be used in orchestras and military bands. And although this invention has become one of the most used instruments in, in modern music, especially jazz, Sachs himself died in poverty in 1894. He designed many different kinds of saxophones, all of which are still in use today, from the high-pitched sopranino to the very low-pitched subcontrabass. For this episode, I want to play a track featuring each kind of the nine types of saxophones in use today, starting with one even higher and smaller than the sopranino, called the sopranissimo, also called the soprillo, and even the piccolo saxophone. It's two in B-flat, an octave above the soprano sax. It's apparently very difficult to play and very expensive to buy. It wasn't invented by Adolf Sachs, but it's a modern invention by Benedict Eppelsheim of Munich, Germany. Needless to say, there aren't many soprillo or sopranissimo players, but here's one, Todd Groves, with a little blues he wrote to introduce the instrument. Thank you. 
Todd Groves on the smallest saxophone ever, the Sopranissimo. Here's another small one, tuned in E-flat, used a bit more than the Soprillo, but still not common. It's often used in recordings of Ravel's Bolero, and it's called the Sopranino, and it's tuned in E-flat, an octave higher than an alto sax. This is Lamonte Young, an American jazz saxophonist and composer, recognized as one of America's first minimalist composers. Much influenced by Indian classical music, here's an excerpt from something called B-flat Dorian Blues from 1963. Lamonte Young on the Sopranino. 
Now for a saxophone much more commonly heard, the soprano sax. I have a lot of choices of recordings to play for that. One international star based in Canada is Jane Bennett, and soprano sax and flute are her main instruments. Downbeat Magazine's latest critics poll has chosen Jane Ira Bloom as number one soprano saxophonist, and the reader's poll rates Branford, Branford Marcellus. But I'm not going to play any of those. I just bought an album by Canadian pianist and composer Amanda Tossoff, and I recently listened to it, and lo and behold, the first track, which features Emily Claire Barlow on vocal, also features a great soprano sax solo by Kelly Jefferson, originally from Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. The track is called A Dream Within a Dream, and the lyrics are from a poem by Edgar Allan Poe. Amanda Tossoff with Emily Claire Barlow the alto sax of Alison O, and soprano sax of Kelly Jefferson.
of a surf-tormented shore And I hold within my hands grains of golden sand How few yet how they creep through my fingers to the deep Amanda Tossoff from her Juno-nominated album of this past year, Earth Voices. That first solo was a soprano solo by Kelly Jefferson. Then Alison O came in with her alto sax solo. So that's a good segue into the next kind of saxophone, the oft-heard alto sax. So many great ones, such as Johnny Hodges, who played for so many years with Duke Ellington. Then there's Don Redman. Benny Carter, Phil Woods, Lee Connitz, Paul Desmond, who played with Dave Brubeck and wrote Take Five, Cannonball Adderley, Jackie McLean, Vincent Herring, and so many others. And Charlie Parker is considered to be one of the founders of bebop, and his tunes are played by every alto player under the sun. This year's downbeat jazz polls ranked Kenny Garrett as number one in the readers' poll and Rudresh Mahanthapa in the critics' poll. Since I'm not familiar with Mahan Thapa, and this is Discovering Jazz, where I do my own discovering, I figured he would be a good person to explore and play. Here's from a 2006 album with pianist B.J. Iyer. The album's called Raw Materials. The track is Inside the Machine. Rudrish Mahan Thapa on alto sax.
Rudrish Mahanthapa, the number one ranked alto saxophonist on Downbeat Magazine's last critics poll with pianist V.J. Iyer. This week on Discovering Jazz, the first of a three-part series on the saxophone, today talking about and listening to the nine types of saxophones. I am on to the tenor saxophone now, which is tuned in B-flat, and you already heard an example of the very smooth tenor of Zoot Sims at the beginning of this program. A very different sound is heard when you listen to Wayne Shorter or Chris Potter or any of the free jazzers. Chris Potter was number one for tenor sax on the last downbeat reader's poll, so I'm going to play something from him. One comment made about him is that he's one of the only players who, from passage to passage or from phrase to phrase, never seems to repeat himself. Here he is from a 1998 New York studio recording with Tom Cohen on drums, Peter Herbert bass, and some great piano work from Peter Madsen. This is Solar, the tune made famous by Miles Davis. You don't even hear the main melody played until near the end. Chris Potter. Thank you. 
Chris Potter. Now over to the baritone sax. Not as common as the alto or tenor, but there are a few jazz musicians for whom it is their primary instrument. One of the early pioneers was Harry Carney and the Duke Ellington Band. Others are Cecil Payne, Pepper Adams, and Serge Cheloff. And one of the best-known players was Jerry Mulligan. The two downbeat poles place James Carter and Gary Smullyan as the current number one. But I'm going to play some Jerry Mulligan and two tracks from his album with Stan Getz from 1958 where on one side of the album they reversed horns with Mulligan playing the tenor sax and Stan Getz playing the baritone and on side two the two of them playing the instruments for which they are best known. So Sometimes we find it hard, unless we're a seasoned saxophonist, to distinguish between the different saxophones, especially if they're playing the lower notes of the smaller and higher ones, or the higher notes of the lower-pitched ones. Not only do we have to listen closely to identify the saxophone, but we have to also identify the different players, which again, some people are great at doing. So what happens when you get the same players playing different instruments? Does the type of sax most stand out, or does the style and tone of the specific player? I'm playing first a track from where Getz and Mulligan play the regular instruments, then one where they switch. While there are distinctive differences in the sound between these two types of saxophones, there are also just as distinctive differences in the tonality that uh, each player is able to get out of either instruments. Uh, So... What you might notice is that even when Getz plays the baritone sax, he still sounds like Stan Getz. And when Mulligan switches to tenor, again, there isn't that dramatic a difference. He still sounds like Jerry Mulligan. I'll start with the Jerry Mulligan composition called A Ballad, where Getz Getz starts out on his tenor, sounding his sweet and warm self. Then Jerry Mulligan comes in, and his baritone is obviously lower sharper in sound and a bit grittier. So let's give a listen, starting with uh, the two of them on the instruments uh, that are most familiar to them. Thank you. 
Jerry Mulligan on baritone sax and Stan Getz on tenor with Lou Levy on piano, drummer Stan Levy and bassist Ray Brown. Now they switch instruments. Here's Let's Fall in Love.
Pretty amazing how Stan Getz still sounds like Getz, even as he plays Jerry Mulligan's baritone sax. And Jerry Mulligan is still recognizable, even when playing Getz's tenor. I have three more saxophones to talk about. One's not often heard. There's the bass sax, and an even lower one, the contrabass, and a lower one than that, called the subcontrabass. The bass sax is more often used in rock than jazz. The Bonzo Dog Doodah Band from England used it a lot, and there's a man based in Montreal, Colin Stetson, who has played with Arcade Fire and put out a few jazz rock electronic albums. Here's something from a 2017 album of his. He calls the tune In the Clinches. Colin Stetson. Thank you. 
pretty sure that's an electronified bass saxophone, as that's what Colin Stetson is most noted for playing. So how low can you go? Even lower than this next one, so I'm told. But this contrabass that you are going to hear momentarily is the lowest of the saxes that Adolf Sax built, although not the lowest of the ones that he patented. Anthony Braxton uses a lot of contrabass in a lot of his very unusual music, but how about its use in mainstream jazz? Scott Robinson put out a whole album of older swing-style jazz where he plays the over six feet long contrabass saxophone. The album's called Thinking Big. From that album, here is Duke Ellington's Basso Profundo. Scott Robinson on the contrabass saxophone. There's one more saxophone of the nine different saxophones in use today. This is called the subcontrabass. It was not built by sax, but he patented and planned to build it. 
No playable ones were made until 1999 when the Tubax was developed, which some claim isn't really a sax. And in September 2012, instrument manufacturer Benedict Eppelsheim of Munich, Germany, completed building the first full-size sub-contrabass saxophone. The instrument stands 2.25 meters, or 7 feet 5 inches tall. I wasn't able to find anybody who played it, but there are a number of tubax players listed in Wikipedia, so I did a bit of a YouTube search on those. It's mostly used in classical music, and I will be talking more next week about the evolution of saxophone playing, including its role in classical. Here are two classical musicians, Paul Cohen on sopranino and Charlie Gray on the sub-contrabass tubax. This is a composition by 18th century French composer Etienne Nicolas Mehul. It's Rondo Basque. A bit of the sub-contrabass tubax, the lowest and biggest of the saxophones, and the second smallest and highest sax, the sopranino, playing together. Let's finish with the jazz saxophone ensemble. It's the World Saxophone Quartet with Julius Hemphill and Oliver Lake on alto, David Murray, tenor, Hamiet Bluet on baritone sax. From 1988, it's composed by Hamiet Bluet, and uh, this is called I Heard That. And you'll hear a lot more saxophone if you tune in next week. This is Larry Sadman, Discovering Jazz, saying bye for now.